There's over 200 hours of Star Wars on film. This is the Star Wars Binge, where we select, order, and elevate the best 40 hours of the Star Wars canon. My name's Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is Daniel Mothershed, playwright, actor, and pop culture enthusiast. That's true. This is the sound of my voice. You'll notice that I've slightly altered our intro. Yes. There's just show after show getting dropped. We got, we got more than 150 hours now. Oh, that's a lot, yeah. And I got some news for you, Daniel. Oh? There's more on the There's, way. Yeah, I'm just drinking from a fire hose of Star Wars updates. Might, wor- might be worth uh, talking about that for a hot minute. If only we had the platform where we could do that. <laughs> so just this last week at uh, D23, there was uh, six shows either announced or built on. We knew some of this stuff was coming, but worth saying, if you were to look at what they're releasing, there are three shows being released that focus on the prequel era, which are Andor, Bad Batch, and Tales of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. And then there's three shows that are slotted for 2023, which are all about the time period between episode six and episode seven. That is what? Ahsoka, Skeleton Crew, and the third season of The Mandalorian. Season 3.2 of Mandalorian. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's it's kind of like uh, Captain America uh, Civil War. Yeah, is Avengers in-game pre-game. I haven't heard that before. That's a good one. Daniel, some of my favorite episodes that we do are our blind conjecture episodes. Uh, That's how I live our... my life, too, so it's perfect. Right. <laughs> <laughs> These are the desperate hope for something good to come up in the next couple months episodes. Yeah. We're going to jump into that again. Like, what what are we really hoping for in these properties that are being released? And some of them are overlapping with our timeline. Some of them, the stuff that's the sequel era is not stuff that we're going to touch in the binge. Um, right. But, you know, if it's good, I'm going to be thrilled to, you know, yeah. when, once it's all said and done to jump into that material. Happy to talk about some good stuff. That's it. We had talked about this just briefly offline, but there's something about Star Wars in my mind at its best where it is addressing contemporary issues with the fantastic. Yeah. And, you know, Tolkien was doing that. Uh, George Martin does that. Uh, in theory, some of the uh, Rawling stuff does that. But Star Wars it, under George Lucas was commenting on Vietnam and then was commenting on Iraq. One of the real failures, I think, of the sequel movies is that it chose not to yeah didn't really have anything to say about contemporary world if i mean if you're really interested in las vegas i would recommend the show hacks on hbo but come on star wars no i don't need i don't need it of all things the one thing that really was uh, talking to uh contemporary american culture was the stuff everybody <laughs> really hated in the last jedi with uh what was that planet called <clears throat> with canto bite with can't bite. That's it. I think Ryan Johnson is a genius. I I got so excited when I when I saw that uh, trailer they just dropped for Knives Out, uh, to the Glass yep. Onion. He's an amazing storyteller. I just Great. wish he had not decided to get all art school with this trilogy. We have an opportunity here in December if we wanted to again stray from the binge to talk about the fifth anniversary of that movie. Um, I'm in, which is, which will be this year. I'm not going anywhere. So <laughs> there, I, th- I think there's something with five years of perspective. It's worth talking about. We have a friend on, on the Twitter who's a huge defender of the 
of that stuff that that we we've kind of discussed possibly bringing him on to to talk shop just as a defender and I, I feel like there's so much good there and there's so much that stuff that just doesn't work and, and I haven't it's watched it mix, since it mixed bag. since the came out so yeah. so that might be a good I mean I saw it like three or four times so I mean it's it's not like I didn't view it enough or give it a chance but that might be a good reason to revisit that film sure right it's a good call but at any rate sorry what the mistake of the current films is to not to not have that political social commentary uh that all good science fiction and fantasy has that's it it's there, there's just so many missed opportunities, it seems to me, in the sequels. And so to talk about what they're clearly releasing right now, it looks like they might be digging in to some of the contemporary issues that we're, we're facing. And uh, I, I, was, I was listening to a Lucas speech recently, and he was just talking about Star Wars really is about one of the things it has to do is bring hope to kids. Yeah. That was kind of a, a primary for him. I think that's one of the pri- the principal reasons that he sold to Disney. It's like, this will, this is my audience. And so if that's the case, during the prequel era, you need to see some hope in the dark times as things are unraveling. And in the sequel stuff, you need some hope after you've been hurt, when it's time to heal. I have nothing to add to that. I think that's I think that's on the money. I don't know if they go into the writer's room with those sorts of themes in mind, like ahead of time. Like this is the big idea for this era, mm-hmm. you know. But if they did, I think that would be really wise. And it seems like you know because they're they're releasing the three prequel series and then the three sequel series. Maybe they have done some we want to talk about these time periods for a reason because they're clearly saying no to some stuff they're saying no to the old republic yes they're saying no to stuff after the sequel movies for now they apparently want to say something else i just i I would love to find out what that is you know what i mean and not i don't mean that in the same way Every comment on the internet is, well, I don't even understand who was asking for this. Who needs this? No one needs any of this. It's just fun. Like, you don't need right. it. So I'm not I'm not saying it in that sense. I guess I would love to see more of a clear trajectory for Star Wars. I mean, I realize they're not trying to tell one big web of a story, but still, it's like, where, where are we going? What, what are we doing? I think that, to circle back, the answer to who needs this is we all need great fiction to talk about the meaning of life. Yeah. Because that matters. And if you do it well, it brings perspective and direction and self-understanding and it elevates, you know, virtue and what goodness, why goodness is worthy of sacrifice. And if you don't, then you find yourself in that spiral downward into selfishness and dog-eat-dog crap that you see dominating a a lot of our culture both in finance and in government and i'm sure in day-to-day life for for some of us and it does kind of seem why maybe these things that force us to look at that might be getting a lot of pushback right now because the people who don't think they need that 
uh, don't want to have to do that. Or those who, I mean, just to even say it, it's folks who are elevating buffoonery as principle. Like, what are you obsessing about? And just elevating these ticky-tack small things. Yeah. But the the emergence of the what Star Wars will be talking about, the emergence of autocracy and ethnic nationalism, that is a huge threat to stability and happiness and, you know, the pursuits that that many of us desire, you know, the freedoms we desire. So Yeah, totally. Speaking of which, we can talk about Andor up front. <laughs> Absolutely, which which I think out of all of the things that we got confirmed or learned about this past Saturday, Andor is actually the thing I am the most excited about, which I hadn't planned on being, but I really, really am. I was right there with you until I saw one of the other trailers, and then I shifted. But I'll tell you was why. Was it the one from four days ago? No, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you in a second. It's a different show that got me hyped. Oh. But Andor has looked amazing. Yeah. The uh, there's nothing that I've seen so far that, that makes me think anything but man, they're they are building very well on what I think is the best movie they released since the original trilogy, which is Rogue One. Yeah, I agree. Well, I, I don't know if you got to watch the um, there was the special uh, Disney Plus Day. Uh, special look at Andor that they released. I don't know if you got to see that. Didn't watch it. Tell me about um, it. it. Or tell me even, let me actually set it up a different way. What did, what in this upcoming show, which is releasing just in a week, Yeah, what is it that you're most excited about? <clears throat> it feels like they're really focusing on the character and the story. Mm-hmm. The character of him. How do you, who is this guy? How does he get to this point? How, and I and I I believe that was kind of a point Jeff you had made when when we went back over some stuff with Kenobi. We had kind of said every time we see the rebellion, it's so little. Like how do we get yes. from like six dudes and, and six women to 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 the rebellion that we kind of see in in a New Hope? And it feels a little bit like this show might dig into that, but kind of introducing it through uh, uh the character of Cassian which I love but on that on that Disney Plus thing the the uh, I believe writer director showrunner was just kind of talking and said first and foremost the more, most important thing we had to do is tell this story about this character yeah and that's what's important here and that just from a purely critical standpoint I'm really excited about that I'm excited that it is about fleshing out a character as opposed to figuring out ways to drop him into situations we've seen before and have him interact with people we've seen before. Yeah. If you listen to this podcast, it's not it's not a surprise to know that you and I don't love that. Right, right. <laughs> so I'm I'm excited about those things. I think it looks gorgeous. I watched the trailer from Saturday again prior to us sitting down to record this episode and and suddenly I found myself thinking this is World War 2. Yeah, this is World War Two, and and Stellan Skarsgård's character is your Winston Churchill making these bold, potentially reckless choices, but they're choices somebody has to make. And he even kind of says that in the trailer when when Mon Mothra is talking to him, and she's like, "This is gonna risk a lot," or or some version of that. And and he says, "Right, but we got to do something." And and it is that little group of people starting to 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 make a big 
swing against the encro- against encroaching fascism, right? So you want to talk yeah. about what are we saying now? I mean, obviously, World War II has, has happened, but as we even in society now make these steps towards these kinds of totalitarian government things happening, what are the small but sort of reckless big swing ways we step up? Agreed. I think that's right. I don't think I'd put my thumb on that. It feels like this is a story set in France as the the Nazis have already arrived. And now France is like the French are saying, what do we do about this? And, oh, maybe. I, I was they, even thinking England, though. I mean, just this tiny yeah. little country that for all intents and purposes should not have stuck its head up and said, uh-uh, no more. Maybe. And, and actually that is part of the, to the bigger point, the rebellion cannot be small, right? It has to, it has to be a virus, you know, a good virus in this galaxy. And it's got to have pockets all over the place. This is the thing that has hit me is how much it feels like they're doing the character beats that are similar to something like game of Thrones, where you're all over the place on the map, Mm -hmm. the map of the galaxy, as it were, you're in the centers of power, you're on the edges and yet there's like there's connection throughout and and it's all about the throne you know as it were i totally agree and i think it does exactly what we've talked about wanting to see it's not just these people in this one tiny little place it's these people in this tiny little place here but also these people in this tiny little place over here and also over there and also yeah. over there and also over there it has to be that yeah if it, if it's not that it doesn't have a reputation where luke in new hope knows about the rebellion exactly and is real intrigued you know it's got to have a reputation that has built to that level for new hope to make sense and i think you know successfully infiltrating and stealing death star plans which we know happens in uh rogue one what a what a great way to to bring notoriety to your cause it's all fake news dan <laughs> <laughs> Not only were the plans not stolen, there were no plans in the first place. I don't even know what you're talking about with this Death Star. The the with with Palpatine, I feel like it would more be. Oh, there were plans, and we don't have that, but we found some all, uh, uh, equally horrifying way to kill you. So, boom. Gotta keep the the Senate in line. Um, I'm a, I'm also just really I, the casting of this. I'm so intrigued by agreed. every. Agreed. You know, in 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 these couple of trailers that have come out, it's like, oh, there's that person, and oh, there's her, and oh gosh, that guy, and um, starting with, I think Diego Luna is such a, a charming and likable actor. He he he's he's been at a few red carpets and a few things in the last couple of weeks, and just he's so charming and watchable. Yep, I think Stellan Skarsgård is a great actor, incredible, and uh, upholds a Star Wars tradition of at least one character that does not pronounce some of the characters at all the way they're meant to be pronounced. Oh, I missed that. It was in the trailer. It, it's it's Andor, right? Cassian Andor. And then here comes Stellan Skarsgård, and he's like, Cassian Andor. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's it's like H.W. saying Saddam. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, but nevertheless, that um, guy's phenomenal. And, and when, One of the things that some properties... Uh, I think it's a misstep. They'll they'll cast like the whole you know range of twenty year olds who are up and coming and give them the huge property. They're not doing that with this. No, not the, at the all. People in this in this show, 
Man, they got some 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 heavy resumes. Him, Fiona Shaw, who is who is, yep. you know, I believe she has an OBE. I I, I think. Um, just for for listeners, she's um, Aunt Petunia Dursley in the Harry Potter films. Um, she's in Killing Eve. She's in a million things. Google her, and you'll go. Oh yeah, I've seen that lady. I love the what, what, what's the word for that it's the gravitas of the yeah of the field you know coming together to do something that's solid so that i that gives me a lot of hope for the show and we mentioned this before in terms of the look one of the things i the more that i'm kind of sitting on it i think they rushed kenobi yeah, they threw it in the volume. They threw some scripts together. They said, "Hey, do you have a couple months to do this? We'll 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 put together something that will be fun." Yeah, and the end it was just a big whiff. Well, I I think it was a huge whiff. Daniel uh, had yes, some. Yes, I, I I rewatched some of it the other day in preparation to watch that. Um, did you did you catch that? Uh retrospective thing that they made about it the the um, i haven't watched it yet i'm still trying to get up did you and i assume it's really enjoyable and there's a lot of camaraderie and yeah i liked that better than i liked the show doesn't surprise me at all (laughs) to you see how much they enjoy the project from everyone from the you know obviously the director and 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 ewan mcgregor and but and there's some real charming moments with Hayden Christensen, where he he talks about yep. what playing that role meant to him then, and what it meant, what it means to him now, that yep. that as much as you know, everybody who listens to this and anybody who knows me in real life knows, don't love the prequel films, but but I, I found my sort of, my sort of harshness and hardness towards that softening a little bit, ta- listening to him talk, and I thought maybe I should go rewatch these movies. I I have that same feeling when I watch the making of the last season of Game of Thrones or the making of The Hobbit. All those people are just loving their lives. Like, this is the best thing ever. Do you realize that we get to create this thing? And it's like, this, this is amazing for you. I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled that you got to have this experience. It just didn't work for right. me. I'm sure everyone enjoyed making the Scorpion King too, but <laughs> why did I? Oh, but all of it just, um, that that's worth a watch. It, it's fun. Um, yeah, Ewan McGregor has some some. It's it's fun to see him talk about what that role has meant to him totally. throughout all of his life. But but you do see so much of the volume in that. And I just I think we talked about this on the Kenobi episode, or maybe yep. you and I just talked about this. No, it's on there. If you if you want, dear listener, you can go back to our post game for the Kenobi and the future of Star Wars. But we talk about the volume may not be the most helpful tool if you're filming everything in the volume because everything looks so small. And, yeah. and that's the thing I'm excited about with Andor too, because in that um, kind of nine minute Disney Plus special look, when they're talking to the creative team, they talked about how important it was for them to go out and be outdoors and actually find some locations. That's what I was yep. to, to to kind of get a long way around to to the point you made. The fact that that looks so important to them in the visual storytelling, that feels really important to me. I, I agree. I think the first episode looked fantastic, and I think I think a lot of the other stuff got rushed. Is my take a better way to go and in i think this comes out in what we're seeing in andor is if you were to go back to the uh the reboot of star trek um i don't know if you recall this but 
everything in that Star Trek movie with Chris Pine, mm. uh, that first one, ends up being real life locations. They're yeah. they're filming in a you know in a beer factory and in old churches and and just finding things that have a lot of texture and reality to them. And I'm I'm all for the volume person. I stuff. can see all the benefits as as somebody who 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 has acted from that. I think that's killer. Yep. But I just in good news, I suppose they believe in this property because they've already announced twelve more episodes. And right. this was something that we also said about Kenobi. It was too short. Like not only were you not telling a, the story, but it was also you know six episodes. They're doing twelve of Andor, and apparently yeah. they got a second season of twelve. Man, I'm I'm all in. And some of the special effects have looked spot on. You know, when when they're you're showing Tie Fighters and the rest, it's just like, yep, there it is. Come on, let's yeah, do it. Spend the money. You know what I mean? Sp- spend the money and give people the time. Spend the money. They hopefully they feel pressure with how much Amazon is spending on Tolkien stuff, because those suckers. Yeah, it's the most expensive television show ever made, and I don't I don't know if you've had the chance to see any of it yet, but I have not. It the the show looks amazing. Good, good. I'm 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 going through House of the Dragon and just kind of saving, saving see, Tolkien I'm, for I'm, a one binge. I'm doing the flip of that. I'm. Ah. Um, the first two episodes of, of Rings of Power got me really excited, and I'm like, I want to watch this every week. Whereas, where House of House of the Dragon, I'm I'm struggling to find the. Um, I was talking to my brother last night, and he said, "Well, I can watch this one fantasy story that gets me really excited and is very bright and colorful and gives me joy, or I can watch this other fantasy <laughs> story where everything is gray and everybody is sad and just like real life." Makes me want to curl up into a ball, and that's kind. Of, I was like, I thought, yeah, uh huh, yeah, I agree. Actually, <laughs> that's funny. I've, I've heard we'll the last couple of weeks were pretty good, but um, of, of dragon, but yeah, it's I, I feel I find it it's incredible, and maybe that's my palate because my last comment on Andor is give me some dark Star Wars. <laughs> Just want the dark. I'll take dark Star Wars, dark dark Brandon. Let's let's roll dark. The yeah. uh huh, uh-huh. <laughs> there is no reason for this show to be watered down. No, I agree. I, d- I don't know that this is when they're marketing to 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 12-year-olds. It feels like like 12-year-olds will probably might might just skip this, but it's for it's I I feel like it's for people who are who are over the age. Of I think 30. myself at 12 probably would have dug this, but You would have been. Yeah. But but, but we'll, I mean but we'll, whatever. <laughs> There's one line out of Rogue One, which we've said in the past, but it's Andor saying spies, saboteurs, assassins. We've all done terrible things on behalf of the rebellion all day long. You feel, give me that all day long. But there is that great line in the trailer where that gets parroted right? back by Stellan Skarsgård's character. And, and it's a perfect callback. Yep. That's it. You, you, you have to get Andor. You have to get Cassian Andor to the spot where he's willing to to shoot messengers, right? And he feels bad about it, but he's he's bought in, you know. And that's I yep. I think that that's that's some interesting stuff. Yeah, I, I I agree. Last word on Andor. I'm just really excited. I'm just genuinely very excited, and and <laughs> I hope I don't regret it. But but I am. Um. Uh, you know, my excitement for Kenobi was tempered with 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 sort of being trepidatiously excited for it. 
This yeah. one I'm just really excited for because I think it 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 looks like it's gonna feel the most like Star Wars. Not just this was made uh, to look like Star Wars. Right. This is gonna feel like it too. Well, the next show that's coming up is Tales of the Jedi. I was not prepared to be excited about this, but apparently I'm not alone. Fun fact, the trailer for Andor got 2 million views on the YouTube. Mandalorian 3 got 3 million views. Tales of the Jedi has had 4 million views for its trailer. The most popular trailer they released is Tales of the Jedi. And it, it gave me such joy to see this because you and I are doing a lot of work Looking at Star Wars animation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and apparently there's a fan base. It's not just the side stories. My God. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know that. I hope to God that this is a catch-all. Because I the way that they're structuring the title, Tales of the Jedi, means you could probably put in anybody you want. Well, yeah. You know, with the Clone Wars style animation. And we're going to start with two characters. They're going to start with Dooku and they're going to start with Ahsoka. They're going to tell some some, some stories, some prequel stories. But also Qui-Gon and, and Mace Windu yep. and... Yeah. It gives them permission to do a lot of the stuff that you and I have talked about in that they could do some of the work that they've already done. Son of Dathomir is a, is a, is a comic that they released. It's Maul being imprisoned and then freed by uh, the characters that we see in Siege of Mandalore. Fantastic story worth putting. It was going to be part of Clone Wars until it, the property got cut. Oh, and then a, a piece that we've talked about a handful of times is dark disciple, mm-hmm. which is the, you know, the culminating story of Ventress. Which I would love to see that. And they have set a foundation where they can do it. Yeah. Like it's, it's, it is, if these six episodes work, it's in play. Yeah. And I, I feel like it's building on what they did with season seven. And longtime listeners will know that I, I said I thought Rogue One was the best movie since the original trilogy. I actually think the best movie since the original trilogy is the Siege of Mandalore. And it's animated, and it's it's just gorgeous. And there's so much, in my mind and heart, to like there. And this foundation allows them to tell stories of that sort. And they have a history. The place that Star Wars has actually knocked it out of the park is in these spaces. Yeah. And so they've carved it out. It's here. And apparently people are excited. So, did you see Tales of the Jedi, uh, the trailer? Yeah, I did. I think it looks awesome. I, I am excited about the... I'm excited to learn about Ahsoka. That was kind of my real big takeaway. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Especially if this series sort of does a lot of the world building and history for her. And then allows the Ahsoka series to sort of take place in the present day and maybe tell some of those stories or not do not do as much um, origin, like real hardcore origin stuff. Kind of how Tom Holland's Spider-Man films didn't show us, yep. didn't show him getting bitten by a spider. They just said, all right, you know at least who enough of who Spider-Man is to jump into this story. 
So I'm excited for those things. I don't particularly care about Dooku. Ooh. Okay. It'd be interesting to see some of some of the stories that we've heard about just with him and Qui-Gon. I think that'll be fascinating, but I don't I'm not jazzed for that like some people are. I will be well, that's interesting. You're the first person I've heard that from. Um which but, <laughs> it's but because okay. I'm a four. I <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, de- desiring uh, some authentic <laughs> originality there. I think one. Let's talk about Ahsoka mm-hmm. for a minute, and then we can talk about the Dooku stuff. I think you're right. Like the origin story for Ahsoka, they're going to spend one episode on that. It will be beautiful. It will be Plo Koon coming. It will yeah. be apparently her using. Jedi skills to to tame a wild beast, which all that stuff looked amazing. Mm-hmm. And now we're rolling, and and you can see some of the dynamics there. We kind of talked about this with Kenobi, but the the image of the young person being extracted from their family and brought into the Jedi Order into a new family that that's a violent act in one sense. Yes, and it creates a dynamic of the, you know, how that religious tradition forms. And we're going to get to, in the binge, we will talk extensively about uh, Ahsoka leaving the Jedi Order. And so this adoption story is going to be super important to what we see at the end of the Oh, yeah. Seeing what brings her in is going to be interesting. Always love me some Plo Koon, and, uh, and it is the case. We've referenced it a handful of times already in the binge that they they just haven't shown her early story. No, I think we've seen her as a kid in some of the right. flashbacks I've seen, like a, but like a sort of a pre-teen kid, whereas this one is like, <laughs> like oh my yep. goodness, look at that little baby. <laughs> like We're going <laughs> little there. Little baby is okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that. Showing some Tragutans as well. Uh, and yeah. we did a whole arc on the Tragutans, uh, which I loved the mm-hmm. hell out of. The the one, what was it? The the one where they're enslaved. Get to see more of that culture. That culture really isn't anywhere else in Star Wars with the exception of, uh, what's her bucket? Shakti. Yes. With the beautiful eyes. Yes, yeah, seriously. Uh, <laughs> you just get lost in those. Lost in the people eyes. One of the things I haven't thought about this for a bit, but uh, the Native American. We talked a lot about the Native American um, side of this culture, and I know that's kind of what they were shooting for with the Ewoks and the Vietnamese. You know that mm-hmm. I want to pull from these Native people and bring them into. What does it look like for them to engage? these wars between empires and I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's something of that element going that, on. That they have to engage, story. not because they want to, but because it's yeah. visited upon them. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're again, notice the violence, mm-hmm. uh, you know, taking place of it's disruption. It's not even, you don't even have to physically assault somebody for it to be violence. You've, You've imposed your presence on on those who are not desirous of your yeah. presence, and I imagine that that will be an opportunity. The other thing, uh, well, there's a handful of things actually with the Ahsoka thing I want to talk about from this trailer. They hinted some stuff, and so 
like that's so that first episode is her as a child there's a second episode with her and anakin yeah i assume so just based off of how much of him you see in that trailer Stuff that I just love the hell out of. There is all sorts of imagery there that you see in Siege of Mandalore. When she's surrounded by um, Rex and the other clones who are trying to kill her during Order mm-hmm. 66, it's identical to what you see in that trailer. Anakin Ooh. training training her to fend off shots coming from all around her. Oh, and I, I lost my mind when I saw that. Yeah. Uh, so. Yeah, you taught her how to avoid the thing that you enact. He's saying again, again, again. And I, I, I recognize that you're not a Tom Cruise fan. Correct. But it's still the case that you got you to gotta watch The Edge of Tomorrow. Literally still, every time anybody talks about anything, it's, it's Top Gun. I assume that's what you're going to say. I have not seen Edge no. of Tomorrow because I can't find it. It is just... Gorgeous! I it's I, I will I will I will buy you a Blu-ray and send it to you if you'll watch it. Sure. <laughs> so I'm getting your address after this is done, Daniel. The, there is a scene in Edge of Tomorrow that is identical to what they show in the trailer. And oh, cool! It's of uh, what's her name? Emily um, Blunt. Yeah, it's Emily Blunt training crews in exactly the same way, hmm. and it's it's. I don't. I I have such connection to that movie now. I think it's the best science fiction movie of the 20th century, 21st century. Really, it is. I think I think Edge of Tomorrow is the most underrated movie there is. It is. I'm shocked that that it isn't just on everybody's top ten list. It's that good. Huh. So all right. Um, and I'm willing to to put it on. Tape. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Stamp it. So uh, you're getting a gift in the mail. <laughs> Perfect. The but but they have a. I mean, apparently people at uh, Lucasfilm enjoy the <laughs> enjoy it as well because they're right. They're, yeah. They're they do this a lot in the Clone Wars where you know there's a hunt for Red October episode. There's a platoon episode. There's you know they they're using oh, yeah. their favorite films. You know, lots of Lord of the Rings. They're using their favorite films to showcase some of the stories, and and that's what they're doing with that, what appears to be the second episode. It's not at the top of my peak Star Wars excitement. I I will watch it. I I, I am very curious and excited about it. I'm just, it's just not the thing I'm the, it's just not the thing that I'm the most jazzed for. I will definitely be watching it, though. I'll tell you what. I think, and and obviously, I'm, I wanted to spend a lot of time on this because this was the one that I really got jazzed yeah. about. I'm I'm down with the other four shows, five shows, um, but this one, the, the the what they're hinting at just has a a lot of texture. So the third Ahsoka episode looks to be post Order sixty six because there's a scene of her at Padme's funeral. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and I think that's where this Inquisitor comes in. There's a double bladed. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're sh- and then they show uh, Bail Organa, and when Bail Organa and Ahsoka come together, they create a secret. That it's it's um, what would you call that? It's an intelligence spy ring for the rebellion that's called Fulcrum. Oh, it, it's one of the more it's one of the more important movements. It's a name I've heard. You know, into rebels. Yeah, and so. They're going to show the beginnings and origins of Fulcrum is what it looks like. 
Um, that I'll is say some see, more stuff. That is exciting. That, Go ahead. Right. That's super so interesting. The, I, what you're seeing is Ahsoka after Siege of Mandalore, which I and and before Rebels. We'll see a bunch of her stuff with Rebels, obviously, but I'm really interested in the pre-Rebels stuff, and that and they're hinting at that. So. Yeah. And they've already written a book. The it's just called Ahsoka, where they they have a bunch of scenes and, and there's some of that that I imagine they could pull from, or they could always do another three episodes, six episodes, nine episodes of her, you know, the bridge. So good stuff there. Yeah. Um, so is that, are they, I, I, and I didn't do a lot of research into into this particular series, but is it going to be, so it's six episodes, three are meant to be about Ahsoka, three are going to be about Dooku? Yep. yep. Okay. I see. And I, I like that. If it's almost got I, like an anthology, sorry, I keep, but it's got like an anthology feel to it almost. Yeah, I like that. I I think they're gonna juxtapose these two characters as well. Mm. Um, I think they're both. It's gonna be these stories over time because you see it with the Dooku stuff. We can transition to the Dooku stuff. You see Dooku as a young person, as middle aged, and then he has. In one of the scenes, he's got gray in his beard. Yeah. So he's there. These are very much jumping time. And so both series end up jumping time. Both series end up being movements of development and growth. And how do you wrestle with tragedy? Um, how do you wrestle with your mentors? The, the thing that um, I think that you're seeing in, in the Dooku stuff is his he's force choking somebody at one point. So mm-hmm. like the, that dark side stuff is there and and the Qui-Gon stuff, Qui-Gon, there's a scene of Qui-Gon who just looks very unsure of what Dooku's doing. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure that this is yeah. the Jedi way, pal. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> and that, those elements I think are, are interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it'll be, I don't like Dooku very much as a character, and obviously we've <laughs> we've committed a lot of time to talking about that on this right. show. But um, I'm interested in seeing a lot of the people who we see discussing Dooku with such um, dismissal and and vehement dislike in the prequel yeah. films. I'm interested in seeing them be around him. So I'm interested in Mace Windu being around Dooku and and Yoda mm-hmm. or or whomever we might get to see be around him. And learn the reasons for why there is, I mean, we know why there's such strong dislike, but to see the actual events that happen, that is intriguing. There's something about, Neil Simon has a play called Fools, Mm -hmm. where there's like a straight man and then everybody else is is the comedy. You know, everybody else is very, is the character. Yeah. And maybe that's who he is. He's like, it's, there's great world building, I imagine, that can take place with the one guy who's turning dark where the rest of the Jedi Order is kind of reacting to that. Oh, yeah, totally. And I think that's, they set this up. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually kind of shocked that they put this in the trailer because it looks like a huge spoiler, but it, Yaddle is in this. Oh, yeah. Uh huh. And that woman's going to die. Yeah. She's not making it out of that. She wasn't in those other two movies. And, and, and she's, she's apparently dueling Dooku. I love that image. I think, you know, you kill somebody intentionally or maybe accidentally. However this is going to work, it's like 
that's that's going to be the tra- a tragic event happens, and I imagine it shakes some stuff. Yeah, no kidding. Because we like Yoda's species, because we're so attracted at least to Yoda and to Grogu. I mean, you bring in that third. Oh know, yeah, character, and then and then take them from us. Give you. Uh, I'm 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 really down with that. The the last thing and i i steal this from a youtube channel called star wars explained but he had a theory that it's not just the time periods that are jumping but that what we might see is the healing of a lightsaber and the bleeding of a lightsaber so one of the things that we haven't seen on film yet is that when a sith becomes a sith they take the kyber crystal in their saber and they torture it to the point where it turns red. Yeah. And we haven't seen that yet. No, huh? Um, and it's, it's, it's called bleeding, uh, you know, the, the saber. What's interesting about Ahsoka is she does something that's the opposite and she defeats someone and then heals. He, she defeats a Sith and then heals the, the kyber of that Sith's saber and lo and behold, when we see Rebels, when we get to Rebels, she has these two white sabers. And in the book, Ahsoka, there's a, this that scene. I find that a, a one of the better depictions of who Ahsoka is, that she has left the Jedi Order, and yet she is a healing force mm-hmm. in, the, in the world. And we've said this in the past. Filoni thinks that she's Gandalf. And so you have to, like, picturing her in that, that space... As all, you know, there's the magician side to the Jedi, and and her healing with the powers that she had. Anyway, he the this uh, YouTuber essentially said he thought those were the the parallel images that are going to really connect these two characters: Dooku destroying something, yeah, Asuka healing something, and and that that kind of sets the the. You know, those parallels set the stage. I, I like that a lot. So knowing that, that's wildly more compelling than I had kind of anticipated. Excellent. I'm going to sell you on this. <laughs> it's also the case, just randomly, uh, we might see some Sifo-Dyas, who Ooh. we've talked about in the binge, but Sifo-Dyas and Dooku have a relationship that's very close. Yeah. And um, they might do some backstory for, for, for Clone Wars fans, um, putting some of those characters on film who, you know, we, we've never seen before outside of, you know, the torture scenes that we see. Yeah. Okay. In, uh, okay. And some of that stuff in, in uh, Clone Wars. Well, that's why I got there. So Bad Batch. Bad Batch is coming out right at the beginning of the year, uh, mm-hmm. 2023. Unfortunately or fortunately, we have done a massive deep dive into Bad Batch, which was phenomenal. It was one of the first episodes that we ever uh, recorded actually. Yeah, that's right. Still holds up. You want to know why? Because we're geniuses. They, <laughs> both because we're geniuses, and they didn't do any of the things that we recommended. But all the yet, things that we recommended, yet. they haven't done those that's things right. yet. It's, like, it's it's all stuff that I'm sure they listened to the episode and said, "Man, we were looking for great ideas for the second episode." Take or them from season. this. <laughs> um, it's still the case that. Bad Batch felt to me, going through it, uh, it felt to me 
a whole lot like Clone Wars where there's a lot of stuff to love and there's a lot of stuff where you're just like, yeah, I probably won't watch that again. What are the best episodes? I just want to remember the best episodes so that I can watch them again. Yeah, and and <clears throat> uh, confession, a confessional moment. I actually didn't finish the first series of Bad Batch for kind of that reason. I, I found myself kind of kind of getting bored. How how like the Clone Wars? You know, it's just <laughs> it's, you got you got dig for the gems. Yeah, absolutely, and I, I totally get that. And you know. There's TV shows that I love that have a lot of bad episodes, so it's it's not that it's not um, it wasn't a I hate this and I'm done. It was just I think at the time that was airing, I I feel fairly certain there was something else on television or film that I was maybe more excited about and and dug deeper into that. But no, I I think when I I imagine that we will put if we don't put the episodes into the binge, we've already commented on the first episode. But if we don't put the episodes into the bench, I imagine we could, you know, just run through whole seasons at once mm-hmm. and say, here are really the moments. And there were five or six episodes that I thought were really compelling. And, you know, spoiler alert, the 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 end of season one really deals with the destruction of Camino. And since Ooh. we've put so much energy into Camino, um, it's it's worth getting to the end. It's even worth, you know, just jumping to the end, to be honest, and, and watching the last two or three episodes. I don't recall uh, how many were there, but... There's eight? Uh, I, I wanted to say it was like 16. Oh, was there that uh, many? Oh. You, you might look it up. Yeah, let me check. Let me check here. Let me fire up, fire up the old Disney Plus <laughs> app. You were right, 16. Ah, ha, ha. We did a episode for the binge called Arc Troopers mm-hmm. where it's a battle on Kamino. And it's one of my favorite, top five for me in terms of Clone Wars that isn't uh, Siege of Mandalore. Just love, love that. Uh, it's, the, it's the episode where 99 dies. And when, <laughs> just to wreck your day. Moment of silence. Uh, <laughs> seriously, you'd honor that fallen. Honor the fallen, yeah. When they got back to Camino as the Bad Batch and they wrapped up the story of Camino, it, it I found it very moving. The sure. end w- of Bad Batch wasn't what I wanted. It didn't. It didn't end on a bang. It was very. It was. It had a lot of better call Saul. It just kind of. It kind of faded there at the end and and kind of wrapped up the things and then, you know, kind of moved into what they're doing next. Sure. So, but. Uh, how they wrap up the story of Camino ends up being worth watching. So I'll get to it. We ended up saying a handful of things about what we expected and wanted most from Bad Batch. And I just, just to, to tease it, I think these are worth still elevating that you and I had said, we want new characters and the best way to do new star Wars is to skip the legacy characters for the most part. Yeah. And focus on species. Daniel, it may be the case that Star Wars isn't listening, but Game of Thrones is sure <laughs> listening. <laughs> and apparently the Tolkien folks are listening. Yeah, seriously. Because that's how they're doing those new shows. I'll take some of that money. <laughs> that's right. Go ahead and cut that out. It's Jeff Rika, yeah. P-R-Y, <laughs> yeah, on the go. check. That's my, important. And my name is spelled exactly like you think, so. <laughs> but it works. 
if for those of you who have gotten into either Tolkien or Game of Thrones, the you know who the hobbits are. You don't you you don't need to know this specific hobbit, but you can love the character from step one because you know what this person is. Or even the hobbits aren't necessarily in this one. It's a sure species related Sorry. to him. But that but I think that proves your point even more. Yeah. Is it the proud feet? The the Harfoots, yeah. Um, um, That's what it is. Yeah, it, I haven't watched it yet. No, no, no. I've you're just seen it's, the trailers. But all you truly, all I think that proves your point even more. Like all you have to know is that yeah. they are the early, uh, the hobbits are descendants of yeah these th- this group it's the story of people of the ancestors. Yeah, and that's all you need to know. Once you know that, you yep. see them and you go, "Well, they kind of look like hobbits." Okay, yep. I've I've learned what I need to know. You know, if you. I tend to overload my interest in stuff, so I've been staying up way too late just reading all kinds of Tolkien stuff recently. But yeah. um, if all you have is a cursory knowledge of it because all you've done is watch the Lord of the Rings films, A, that's totally fine and that's enough. Don't listen to morons on the internet. But that's totally all you need to know and you can enjoy it. And I think to to the point that yeah. you're making, Jeff... That works really well for Star Wars. Have characters yep. that we think we were like, I know what Wookiees are. And if there's yep. Wookiees that aren't Chewie, I've, I got, I've automatically got buy-in because I love Chewie. Exactly it. And they've done that at times with Bad Batch. There are some there are some legacy. The Bad Batch, I suppose, is one of the few properties. I do want to see some of the legacy characters. But I would push um, back and say some but, of it, like, like, I almost said Tolkien. Like... Uh, <laughs> Grand Moff Tolkien, um, <laughs> nope. Yeah, uh, Tarkin is is yeah. a legacy character, but like we we only saw him once in Correct. the flesh, and then once as a CGI rendering. So so having him pop up in this, I totally think that's fine. As opposed to, hey look, gang, it's Lando. Right, that's exactly it. I feel bad. That's news. been my example every time. I love Billy D. Williams, and I, and I don't know why I keep using <laughs> that as my specific example. But um, I just because I feel like when they had him show up, they just underused him. It's like, oh my god, Make, Billy D. Williams is awesome. Do something awesome with him, not just Make, have him like the old Batman show when you're crawling up the building, open up a window, and be like, boy, hey, you're right. Somebody is walking up the wall. <laughs> Makes the point. Yeah, in good news, the the Tarkin character is so important. Oh, t- it, 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 and immensely. to tell some of that backstory really matters. In good news, there's another arc that we're going to hit in the binge. It's actually the very next arc we're going to tackle is a Tarkin arc. Oh, wonderful! And and it's it's really fantastic, and excited to get into it. But for for exactly that reason, is you need some backstory on some of these characters that are so important. Um, I I'm looking forward to them p- wrapping up the story of Cody in the back in the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. We've talked about uh, that idea that this might be a place for an assassination attempt if they don't do it in Andor. Oh yeah. Well, you see him. I mean, you see him in this trailer. So, yeah. I I said this in our our Bad Batch pregame, which is one of our first episodes, but. I we need to see Palpatine wreck some stuff. You ha, you have to make the Empire demonic. I don't know how to say that. Like it has to be this aggressively. Yeah, it can't it can't just be force. an eye at the top of a tower. You have to see the yeah. devastation that that eye can bring and the terror. Yeah, I, I'm with you there. 
burning down villages. Yeah. And and all the rest. Yeah, destroying forests and and, and you know, breeding new species of evil. Yep. And one of the things I know we will see eventually is that some of the clones are going to get saved. They're going to get um, rescued because there's a couple of clones that are with Rex in the Rebels. And so we know that Rex is out there with the ability now. That This was one of the episodes. Rex has the ability to identify inhibitor chips and remove them. And so that's, that's an option. Man... That that episode, it's somewhere in the middle. I, I wish, I, if you just as a side note, if you don't watch anything else from Bad Batch, those the last two episodes are worthwhile. But there's some two episodes. I believe it's two episodes. It might just be the one, but they're in the middle. One of them is called Battle Scars, and the other is Reunion. It's episode seven and eight. They these are. Uh, they they really build up to these. So like, especially with, with something that you and I talked about with the clone troop 99, do they have inhibitor chips and how does that work? Yeah. They've built up to the point at which one or two of the characters, the inhibitor chip is beginning to kick in and Ooh. it's kind of late to the game. And okay. so it's throwing, it's throwing new stuff into it. So we know that crosshair, um, from episode one turns yeah and so crosshair is the primary villain as it were or at least into antagonist and so you have the four clones in omega and they're doing their adventures well one of the other clones begins to spoil oh and and they man they do it so well in terms of these hints through each of the episodes it's a it really is a slow burn to get there but once you get to these those two episodes it's those episodes are gorgeous to look at um, just for the artistic beauty of them. They spent a lot of time and money on those episodes and they're worth watching. So the last two and okay. then those middle two, it's episode seven and eight. I believe it's eight. It might just be seven, but um, well worth watching anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, uh, another thing I'm, I suppose I'm continually interested in. And another thing that we kind of teased with bad batch is that the fantastic four mutant Ninja turtle guardians of the galaxy element of the four thunderbolts. um, If you want to be topical with other Disney properties, it's the outcasts who team up with the, the lone female Mm -hmm. who's kind of the princess of the group. And that's very new hope ish. Oh yeah. You know, of the, the crew of, of boys who show up and then the, the woman who actually knows what's what. Knows how to do things, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> actually competent. And from now on, what, what is Leia's line? I don't know who you are or where you came from, but from now on, you do as I say. Yep. Right? <laughs> yep. And they just look on Harrison Ford's face. Look, your worshipfulness. The Harrison Ford point. <laughs> Funny. Did you see? Just speaking of him, did you happen to catch him introing the the Indiana Jones panel? No, I heard it was emotional. Oh man, it it it's not hard to make this happen, but man, it made me tear up because <laughs> he got teary. You know what I mean? He's usually so like, but I don't really give a crap about any of this, and here we are, right. and I guess whatever. But but he got pretty emotional at the crowd's reaction, and then when him trying to. Uh, uh, also, when he was trying to um, kind of describe what the character meant to him and what this particular film meant to him, he he got he got pretty emotional, which was cool to see 
that much buy-in from a guy who normally yeah doesn't doesn't have he's, it. He's so resistant. I heard I've heard him say something like, "When I went to get my colonoscopy, you know, they were playing that damn music oh, you know, for the Indiana Jones theme." <laughs> and but I think that's right. He's eighty. Yeah, I imagine when you're 80, you want your life to matter, you know, yeah. you're, you're having some existential thoughts. My, my other favorite thing that he said was after he gets through all that, he goes, and let me tell you, this one is good. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yay. <laughs> he apparently heard the criticisms. Or saw it. <laughs> was in it. Should you should avoid the... Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Sometimes you don't know you're in a good movie. I've heard those the people in Fury Road thought that that movie was going to be awful. But so Oscar Isaac said that about Moon Knight. He said the entire time they shot it, he's running around in the costume. And he said, this is the end of my career, isn't it? <laughs> oh, man. Does Fury Road count as science fiction? Because I might have to go back on things I said earlier. Edgerton, uh, I I'm, Fury Road's better than Edge of Tomorrow. I'm going to count it as science fiction fantasy. It's uh, apocalyptic kind of stuff. F- okay. Yeah, yeah futuristic. Yeah. Ca- you know what? This is our this is our damn show. It counts. <laughs> it counts. Anybody who doesn't like it can make their own show. All right. Well, Edge of Tomorrow just got bumped to number two. Sorry, Tom Cruise. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm stoked for that prequel. Of uh, what? Of Fury Road. The, fu- oh, the, I the heard Furiosa. This. They're, uh, they're going to do a Furiosa uh, tale. I didn't know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but uh, but it, but it is George Miller. Uh, yeah, and it's it's gonna really yeah, and it's gonna be um, it's gonna be the actress Anya Taylor Joy from Queen's Gambit, and um, she's got the look. She totally does. Yeah, she's playing young yeah. Furiosa. So um, oh, I think that's okay. gonna be great. Interesting. I wouldn't have guessed that. Probably might might lose an arm. I mean, it seems that way. Last, last thing with uh, Bad Batch that I think they really set up well is the Brotherhood. Yes, and I think they'll they'll roll that through with Rex and Cody. But there's one scene that got me super emotional, in which um, Crosshair has been the antagonist the whole time, but is forced at one point to uh, re-engage and be part of the lives of the other four. And they have to fight off, you know, a common enemy and they use the music and it's just, it's again, the brilliance of Kevin Kiner. He, they, they have that bad batch theme rolling in the first episode and it's just so epic. And I, I, like, I listen to that all the time now and I'm just, this is a great theme and they didn't use it at all in that show until that moment. And it's like 12 episodes in brilliant. And, and when they get back together, it's, it's very much like the Avengers theme where, you know, Captain America shows, shows up in, uh, at the beginning there of, uh, Infinity War and the Avengers theme kicks on and you're yeah. like, oh crap, it's go time now. Yeah, and that and that's how it felt. It was like, oh man, you you held that really well. Anyway, oh that's good. That's real good. Those are the prequel shows, and then in 2023 we're gonna do some ep- we're gonna do some shows. And I I heard Filoni and uh, Favreau talking about this. They're intentionally telling shows between episode six and episode seven, and just sitting in that space. I like it. And all three of these shows are that. 
it's uh, Mandalorian 3, Skeleton Crew, and Ahsoka. So, uh, what's your thoughts on uh, the third season of Mando? I'm I'm really excited for it, and it's kind of been the thing. <laughs> it's kind of been the thing I've really wanted. Yeah, but, you know, we, best part of Book, Book Above a Fett. Yeah, was, your appetite. Yeah, was was the was the mini season three of Mando. Um, yeah, because for whatever reason they got the they got the ingredients just right with that show. That's a good way to put it. I think that's right. I think they got the ingredients right. Yeah, because and, and that trailer is great because it's. Well, re- kind of like I said with with Andor, honestly, it clearly puts the focus on him and on mm-hmm. Grogu. It is about though it is about that family. It is about that mm-hmm. father and child. I'm I'm excited that that's the direction it seems like it's going to be going from Book of Boba Fett where 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 Grogu goes back with him. And and it kind of seems like it's going to be everybody against the two of them because yeah. it opens with the armorer basically saying you took off your helmet. It doesn't matter if it was to to your child. You took off the helmet. Things are going to be bad. And then quickly it, we we you get the gist that like you see you see Bo Katan and she's on the throne and she's upset, uh, which I. You know, again, long-term listeners to this podcast know a just how much I love Katie Sackhoff, and b how much I love that character. So I'm just so excited to see all of them clash. Agreed. Big, uh, just to push into the big questions that they need to hit for all the sequel stuff. Mm-hmm. It's there is something about you need to say something to our culture right now, and sometimes the strong man has been deposed, but your land is still in pain. Yeah. And we need to hear that story. Longtime listeners, you'll know that our politics is obviously what it is. But <laughs> so, so for some of us, we think that things have been awful. You know, it's not just a, it's not just disease, but it's just the, the whole system that we were part of got broken by a strong man. And, and then he got rejected and and now we're in this place of f- seeming chaos because it created a vacuum for other weirder gross people to it, slither in and anytime anytime there's a power vacuum terrible people are going to say yeah. oh it's my turn yeah yeah I'll, you know yeah and but but you need to tell that story and you need to you need to tell the story of what does it look like for the world to be put right you know as it were, or at least what does stability look like? You can't live in chaos. The uh, Eventually the dark ages end, you know, eventually those times of, you know, the destruction of Europe during the first two wars, like they end and stability is found. Yeah. But what does that look like in a healthy way? And we, we we're just living through that. And the artists need to tell us, mm-hmm. you know, the, it seems to me. And so I bring all that up because, the primary thing that's going on in that trailer is what does it look like to exit a cult? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's our politics on the table, but some of the people we care about most need to get out of a cult. And that's what this is about, you know? Yeah. You need to need to <laughs> need to see how much they've been harmed by something. Lots of people talking in my circles. There's lots of dis- discussion about religious deconstruction, sure, and like moving through. You can honor the things that you learned when you were young. You can honor the virtues of people who were beside you when you were a teenager, and you were self-actualizing, and you were becoming 
who you were going to be as an adult. You can honor those people, even though they may have been really unhealthy. And it might be the case that the armorer, for all of her benefits, might might really have a skewed, unhealthy worldview. Yeah, because she's also a victim of the same cult Correct. that is affecting uh, Mando and and could potentially affect Grogu as well. I mean, it's it's. I mean, what not to put too fine a point on it, but it's like hurt people, hurt people. Yes, it's it's it's. It should be obvious for us to know it's not healthy to wear a helmet your entire life. That just that's a, a very dehumanizing belief, you know? Yeah, to hide who you are all the time. And we we Which jump into not that the same world. as having to wear a mask when you go to go to Jamba Juice. There's there's a difference between protecting folks and here's a dehumanizing right, 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 right. act in which I cannot communicate with my face to the people that I love most. That that's why that's why the end of the second season is so powerful. Is because we know the mask is dehumanizing. When that helmet comes off, tears. It's on. Uh, I know that we said this I've, I, at some point, and I've totally missed it, just how that uh, ends up paralleling the Vader taking his own mask off. Just miss that. I, oh. I think you may have said it to me somewhere. I don't know that it's ever been recorded or put on our stuff, but I, I'm I don't, so, I'm I don't so remember, mad. but that would make me sound deeply insightful, <laughs> so let's go with that. Yeah, Jeff, remember when I told you that? Come on. Yeah, you totally. You brought it up. In episode, insert, insert that into the... <laughs> totally different. It's just, just totally different. But Kelly's voice, thirty-five. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm positive that I got that from you, though. That that there's a there's a parallel there, and it's a beautiful parallel of taking off the mask and being able to see your son. I mean, that's what that is. But in a right? in a in a one entirely. In sort of the inverse of it, though, you know what I mean? It's at the end of his life when Vader yep. says, let me take off this mask and let me see you. And I get with 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 my own eyes. And, and to a degree, it's kind of a let me see what I've missed, what I've chosen, what my choices have made me miss out on. Whereas with with Mando and, and Grogu, it's it's uh, take off the mask, show this kid your face this could be what your life is. You've got all of this ahead of you now to, yeah. so, so it's sort of the, the inverse of that. And it's, and it is beautiful. They're going to separate at that moment. You know, Luke's going to take Grogu at that moment. I really, yeah, uh, there is a separation that's going to come, even though they reconnect. I, I, uh, I don't know that there's much more to say there, but no, I think you're right. They, they've set the table. Actually, this is what needs to be said. They have set the table for Grogu to have to have a dealing with the dark side. Um, sure. Time. At some, we've said this in the past. At some point, Din Djarin's going to die. And when that happens, Grogu, who's going to live for another 500 years, or 800 <laughs> years or whatever, is going to have, that's going to be the, the moment that he's going to have to wrestle with, with all the things, you know? Yeah. Well, absolutely. Boom. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. I'm just. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see more of that world. I'm excited to see. I like that you see a bunch more Mandalorians. You know what I mean? When when she yep. says, "Did you think your dad was the only Mandalorian?" Let's talk about it. They got Mandalore as a place. Yeah, and we are right. seeing we see some throne room. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's time. What do you? What do you? I I know what I thought when I saw the throne room. Uh, 
Do you got any thoughts on on just Mandalore and the throne? My thoughts on thrones are so influenced by things coming through Game of Thrones. Yep. Uh, even in the little bit that I've seen of House of House of the Dragon, it's exactly just how much they I poison thought. people. I I, 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 don't know, I assume yep. that's what you're building towards, but. I mean, even in the, like I said, I've only seen three episodes, but but all the scenes with this area is like, <laughs> got this massive wound on your back and your finger and, and whatever. It's like, yep. right, get off of that chair. <laughs> that thirst for that throne is going to make you nuts. Yeah. And, it, and that's what it's doing to Bo-Katan. You know, I mean, I think Bo-Katan is a good character maybe not good in the same way that like luke skywalker is but you know she is a relatively good character and good person but i think that thirst for the saber and then the thirst for the throne is gonna make her go a little uh, a little nuts i i think that they are ripping on off wholesale the end of game of thrones where daenerys is on a throne but it's at dragonstone there's a great it's the first time that Jon snow sees daenerys he walks into her throne room she's on the throne at dragonstone and it looked identical to me in the trailer that uh dinjarin is walking into bokatan's throne room she's not the true heir he is right, but she's taken and it. yeah and it felt like they're doing that dynamic and and there's a romantic, there's a potential romantic thing that could happen, might not, might happen, might not happen. And just to keep your helmets on, if you are if you are having <laughs> relations with another Mandalorian, like is that if, if you're in a cult, you do. I guess one of the benefits of getting out of a cult is you can look uh, your sexual partner yeah, in the eye. You can take your eyes wide <laughs> shut, um, Mandalorian helmets off. Doesn't have to all be cosplay, kids. <laughs> I mean, it can be though if that's what you want. We're not here to I judge. Mean, just if you want, yeah. but just don't be in a that. cult. That's all we're saying. Also, quit sending me stuff on Twitter, y'all. Seriously, is that like? But just through the last month, it's just been like every time I open my messages, I'm like, no, this is of no interest to me. I'm a lot old. I'm in my 30s, gang. You don't want me to be part of this. <laughs> um. They keep bringing it back, but one thing I'm super excited for is, this is a long buildup, but my favorite scene in all of the X-Men. Films or, happen, or uh, comics? Films. Comic. Okay. The films is when uh, Magneto escapes from prison, and it's when the guy gets injected with, you know, with metal or something in his butt by... Uh, hey, Mystique. Uh, it's in the middle of the first movie. Yeah, he gets imprisoned, and Mystique uh, uh, <laughs> finds the prison guard the night before, and yeah, it puts puts uh, metal in his in him through, in the, and then yeah. Um, Ian McKellen just brightens up. He says something's different about you today. <laughs> More metal in your body than usual, or whatever. And then McKellen then takes the metal, forms it into balls, and just starts whipping those suckers. And they routine, they have set this up over and over again. But Grogu playing with that little ball that that is from the original ship that Din Djarin was that sucker's a weapon. Yeah. Not saying that any uh, grand moths are going to get hit in the face with that sucker at some point, but j- you heard it here first. But it would be it, cool. Grogu's going Magneto for a for a hot minute with that ball, and he's going to take some suckers down. And that they just, it's in there in the trailer. They're just, they keep, they keep having that little toy there. 
And I think that's the symbol of his relationship with Din Djarin. And it's and when he goes dark, that's that's gonna be I think that's what they're gonna do. Um, which I love the hell out of, by the way. Yeah. Well, we've been um, wrong every other time, so we'll see about this one. <laughs> that's right. If they don't take our fantastic idea uh, this time, you know, at We're least we had it on. Make our own Star Wars thing. <laughs> that's, that's right. We'll, we'll start a GoFundMe. We just, need a, we just need a lot of money. The uh, two, two last things is, I, I mean, what needs to take place is you're moving from Din Djarin as you know, the Kung Fu going through the, you know, the Western towns and making sure, you know, you fight the bad guys in town and set everybody free and go to the next town kind of storyline. What do you call those? I mean, it's the Western, classic Western kind of thing. You're moving from Westworld season one and two to Westworld season three. (laughs) There you go. And I've not seen season four, so I have no idea if that metaphor tracks or not, but... There, there's a, there's much more the, the intoxication, the temptation for power. Oh, he is, that is right? the, I mean, no, I'm. That's what I'm saying from the trailer. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't want the throne. He, he no. offered the saber up, and yet he's the reluctant king. That's a great image from literature. I think it's just yeah. the, the reluctant I, king. I almost said Aragorn, and then I realized that was only. Yeah, in the movies that that's the case because that's not the case in the books. But yeah, <laughs> that's entirely who he is. Yeah, and I suppose I, if we wanted to really say, look at the Tolkien that's all over what they're telling. It's you have Ahsoka who's Gandalf, you have uh, Din Djarin who's Aragorn, and you have Grogu who, in theory, you know, he looks looks like a Hobbit to me. You know, <laughs> I mean, sure, like, yeah, sure. You got but, Amy Sedaris who is a Gollum. We'll see. Well, his blood did get taken. I'm I'm waiting for them to start replicating some some wicked Grogu's here. Well, yeah, but I still am under the assumption that that was going into making Palpatine clones, which I'm going to be pissed if they do that. But (gasps) I think they've already done that through the sequels. So they told that story, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. But. So maybe they're not making clones. Maybe they're in, maybe they're creating enhanced soldiers, like like in Captain America. Let me tell you how you save the sequels. It's you know it is just saying. Notice how they were using clone technology with Palpatine. That's why it got developed. But the story, I, I'm going to just keep coming back to this because I think this is where they're going. When they decide to do the next trilogy after the sequels, it's a Grogu trilogy. It's an Ahsoka Grogu trilogy. And I think that the antagonist is going to be all these Grogu clones. And like you, you've developed that technology and you have these super powered individuals. You have the one good character who's suffered Grogu, who's lost his father has come back to the light side through Gandalf, through Ahsoka's tutelage. Ray is probably going to be in there. But then on the opposite side, you can't do the empire again. Right. Yeah, no. It, like, it, that's just boring as hell, you know? Oh, well, yeah, there, I there's, do. There's apparently 200 hours of, I, I shouldn't say it's, it's boring as hell because we're spending a lot of time on that story, but um, you but, can't do but it in again. But the, in the sequel sequels, yeah. it is boring. It is boring because literally it became the same thing. The strong man is dead, and then you know the Hydra comes up, and you have all these small things that are arising. I, I, I just, 
I think that that image of what does it look like when like the the negative power, the Sith power, the dark side is you know reemerges in not in Inquisitors, but in all of these clones. That that just makes a lot of sense to me as as a place that they might go. So yeah, because then it has a foot in the familiar stuff, but then it tells a different story, not just another. It's the Emperor again. Yeah, there it is. As much as I love so, Ian McDermott and I everything, see. like uh, he's great. But come on, y'all! Like it would be one of those ways that Filoni would reclaim some stuff that wasn't very good. It's the most important thing that was in the sequels was, was showcasing that they were trying to use, you know, cloning power in these ways. And, but now totally. you could take a, tell a different story with that. Totally. Anyway, I think that's a, a valuable thing to, to move toward in terms of, cause here would be the thing. There's, there's nothing else to really grab hold of in the post sequel space. The one character we know that's that's unless he dies, that's going to be alive after Ray and Finn and Poe is going to be Grogu because mm-hmm. because of his species, and he's going to become more mature. He's going to become adolescent, and he's going to go through the hero's journey. And if he remains, then I mean that seems to me, especially with as much love and affection as that character has gotten, that just seems like. A no-brainer. I think for Disney, it would require a lot of bravery to say, take your thing that sells the most toys Uh and make it evil. I'll tell you what. We're going to hit it. There is a set of... There's there's a Yoda arc that takes place in season six of The Clone Wars. They show you what evil Yoda looks like. And I will will guarantee you, you're going to be, okay, I'm in. Oh, I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not in. I'm in. Yeah. I'm just saying with with the way a lot of Star Wars stories seem to be going right now and 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 a lot of the Disney owned properties are going they're not getting real dark and I think it would take oh, a, I, I think yeah. it will require a large amount of bravery on their part to take their thing that sells the most toys and say all right boys and girls now it's evil yeah I think they should I, I but can see that. I yeah. you know yeah you're not wrong. They're taking the. <laughs> it worked for the WWE. I mean, you make Hulk Hogan bad, and all of a sudden that, that gives you 15 more years of, uh, you know, steroided up men uh, slamming each other to the ground. That's that's another that's another billion dollars, my friend. We just got to turn them evil. Hooray! <laughs> <laughs> all right, two more shows. Three Skeleton ninjas. Crew. Did you see that movie, Three Ninjas, where he's the bad guy in that? <laughs> I did. Man. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Skeleton I, Crew. Jude Law, welcome I, in. I in saw there. me some Rocky Three where he was the bad guy, and he was awesome. Thunder, what was it, Thunder Lips or Thunderfoot? Oh, or? my God, you're right. Rocky Three is a bit, like, he's the, he he steals that show. He, he is in that, Mr. you're T right. Are amazing. Man, yeah. that, Mick dies in that movie, and that destroys me. That's the only thing I remember from that movie is just how, even as a child watching that, just how emotionally distraught I felt. The Rocky franchise is underrated, I think. It won an Academy Award. <laughs> <laughs> I guess this is true. Still, uh, Ishtar no, is underrated. Rocky is <laughs> fine. Speaking of places that Daniel is unique, uh, again, <laughs> you're the first person I've ever heard that's praised Ishtar. 
All right, second on the list then for sequel uh, shows is Skeleton Crew. Don't know much about this. I know it's Jude Law. And very so few other people, given the definition of Skeleton Crew. We've talked about the pirates yeah. of the post-Return of the Jedi world. And I assume there's a Robin Hood, not Robin Hood, uh, Peter Pan element to it. That's that's what I got. It's, you know, it's Amblin and Steven Spielberg's hook kind of story is what I assumed in the Star Wars universe. But that's that's about what I got. Space Pirates is a dope idea. I mean... It's space pirates. We 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 will talk much more about space pirates through Clone Wars. We haven't really hit as right. many of them, but we're going to hit a handful of characters that are the pirates are great. I mean, it's a, it's Wars. a fascinating idea to me. It truly is. Ha- having not seen any of those episodes, so just sort of speaking speculatively, I love the idea. You know, doing doing Western tropes in space. <clears throat> like in Mandalorian is so fun and or or even Firefly is so yep. fascinating and fun. And there's pirates in Firefly actually as 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 a matter of fact. But um just any in the way that Neil Gaiman kind of turns well I guess it's in the movie, not in the book, but in 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 um oh in Stardust where you have the where you have the pirates that fly around and collect lightning. Mm-hmm. I love just anything that kind of turns a genre on its head. So I'm fascinated by that idea. There's, you can have virtuous pirates and you can have wicked, you know, British, you know, sea captains. Oh yeah. And it it just creates, the, the sea is so, it's, it, you know, in a lot of ancient literature, the sea is the realm of chaos, you know, there, there be dragons kind of spaces and you're out on the water and everything's loose. There's no grounding. And like, what do you do? in that space uh spa- like actual outer space has the same elements to it it's it's the open sea 100 percent. except we know more about space than we do about the actual ocean which <laughs> makes it all the more terrifying it's got a light coming out of its head how does this work <laughs> anything that's down that low is like bioluminescent and has like a million teeth <laughs> What is it? There's a comedian called Dana Gould. Dana Gould, who says everything down there looks like assholes with teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, all the Lord of the Rings monsters. Yes, yeah, so it's got no, the orcs got nothing on some of that crap. Like, <laughs> oh, it's a sphincter. Yeah, they can't be in light either. <laughs> they can't <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, I'll watch Skeleton uh, yeah. Crew, but uh, but I, I don't. I don't. Jude Law is a great actor, so yeah, cool. <laughs> Once you're in outer space with a, a ship, I mean, we, we've seen, I mean, there's so many stories, you know, alien or what else is that kind of story? Aliens. Uh, yeah, maybe we can go there as well. <laughs> when we did the episode on rookies, it's one of our early episodes again. It's the story, of, you know, when you get your characters off in the middle of nowhere and then you unleash the monsters, uh, the, uh, those are great sci-fi tales feels yeah. like that kind of thing. Yeah, totally. And, and it would be interesting to see, you know, usually the quote-unquote monsters in a space film, when it's Star Wars, it's usually uh, people behaving monstrously, or they've already got something hellish on a ship with them. Right. Thinking of the, the episode we talked about, I'm forgetting what it's called, but but when they rescue the, the Trogrudens, there's the, like, Lovecraft yeah. monster that they got on that ship. Um, oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. That usually was, uh, it's 
what was that one called? I don't remember. Ki- but. Kidnapped and slaves yeah, of the Republic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... That's right. That's right. Um, usually the monster is already on the ship, and the real monster yeah. is people behaving monstrously. But one of the things you get in at least literature or film that is about ocean stuff, thinking of like 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, right? You have the giant squid. Mm-hmm. That swims up on its own. So I'll be very curious to see, like, do you do space monsters in such a way? They're just sort of out there moving about. How's that work? Yeah. I'm open to anything and kind of here for the ride on that. I'm like, happy to be shown. Speaking of messages we need to hear from Star Wars is how do you confront the monster within that's already sure. on the ship? You know, what do you, what, what the stories of our time need to be somebody on our boat is really, really wicked. And how do you yeah. deal with that? Yeah. It's the, I mean, what's the name of the, the uh, robot that's in Alien that goes bad? Oh, yeah. Um, um, is that Hal? No, that's, well, yes, but that's, that's 2001. In 2001, but that's actually a great example, too. Like the thing that's right. meant to be the Siri, the Echo, the Amazon right. Prime. Hey, Google. But the character in Alien that you're talking about is the character Ash, played by Ian Holm, and that's a another perfect example. Yep. There's I've, we haven't seen that yet. The droid who is wicked that we didn't realize was wicked. We've seen you know R two D two is our pal, and BB eight is our pal, and you know K two S O is our pal, and of course we're doing Skeleton Crew, and here's another droid that's our pal, and you didn't realize that he was the bad guy. Which, if it's pirates, yeah, is such a perfect um, Treasure Island Long John Silver yeah. rhyme. You know, it's, he's yeah. the cook. He's the cook. Everybody likes the cook. He's nice. <laughs> he's funny. He's gregarious. He gives a crap about everybody. He's Tim Curry for God's sakes. How can he be? <laughs> how can he be evil? And then he is, and it's a huge betrayal. I think that that would. I I could see him doing stuff of that nature for sure. Uh, well, and, you know, mutant, and, mutiny, and I mean, that's a that's that's just rife for that confronting that kind of crap. It's true. So you got the Amblin, you got the pirates, and there are a few actors who I think deserve more respect than Jude Law. I think I, I, underrated in my mind. I, th- yeah. I think he him and Stallone shows man. Up. <laughs> You're not a Jude Law fan? I no, I love the, Jude Law. I just be, be I just wanted to. <laughs> be a smart ass and throw back to when he said Rocky was underrated. But I agree. I think Jude, I think I truly think Jude Law is brilliant. His stuff. I rewatched, uh, the Galaga. Oh yeah. God, he is incredible in that movie. Um, and his, uh, spoiler alert, his death in that movie really breaks me. And, uh, just the, the whole end of that movie is, it's such a slow burn until the end and just incredible. And he, the thing about Jula is he can pull that off and then he can pull off playing John Watson. Yeah. He, I was just going to say he's, he's a great John Watson. He is. And just such diversity there. Just, uh, I'm excited for him to, to be a superstar, you know, and step into that space. A uh, great villain in, uh, I think I'm Captain. maybe one of the few people that really dug this movie, but great villain in Captain Marvel. I really yeah. liked the turn. You think he's on her side. That's just yep. what we've been talking about. You think yep. he's on her side, and then there's a pivot, and then he's the bad guy. Agreed. He shows up. He doesn't 
he doesn't miss. That's the thing. He might be in a average movie, but yeah, but, but he's, he's always great. Yeah, I do not think Captain Marvel is just an average movie, but yeah, he's he's yeah. been in some average movies. You know what he's great in? It's just a great film in general. The movie Spy. Spy is incredible. The Melissa McCarthy movie Spy is. I challenge anyone to think of a funnier parody of spy films. Yeah, because there's all that you know. There's there's a million one. There's like spies like us. There's all kinds of things. Spy is one of the best genre parodies that's ever been made. I would I would step beyond that and say I think it's in the top five comedies of the 21st century. I would I, agree, and I think Melissa McCarthy is one of the top five yeah. to ten movie comics working in the business. Nobody's funnier than her, but his his kind of turnt sideways James Bond character yeah. who ends up being the bad guy in that movie too. Damn. Right? He's got a type, a uh, typecast again. <laughs> um, it's just so smart and fun and funny and, and uh, yeah, Jude Law. Yeah, and honestly, you know what? I'm not ashamed to say it. The Holiday is a great movie and he's great in it. Agreed. I'm thrilled that he's, I'm, I'm thrilled he found us a, a spot and he seems enthusiastic. He was at D23 and oh, so representing I that, and good for him. They're they're you know announcing the property, announcing the show, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he's there and doing his thing. So anyway, groovy. Hey, do you consider Willow part of the Star Wars universe? Because I had that thought today. I'm like, do we include this in what we're talking about? Because or is it kind of its own thing? I mean, I, I think know Lucas is making it, Lucasfilm. I think those are Lucas's three properties: are Willow, Indiana Jones, and Star Wars. Oh, okay, and Star. Yeah, I just didn't know if we included it in this. Yeah, discussion even tangentially or not. I was, I was thinking about that today, but I I love me some Willow. I, looks awesome. I really enjoyed what they showed. I remember one of the more meaningful uh, movie going experiences I had was seeing Willow with my mom. Mm. You know, and when it first came out, and there, I think there's a lot to to like there. And you know, of all things, uh, what's his bucket? Mad Mardigan. Oh, Val Kilmer. Yeah, of all things, like. Val Kilmer in that role, I think, is amazing. Oh yeah, like, he, he superstar. Yeah, like, oh, it's a yeah. superstar role. It's was, it is a Harrison Ford, I'm Han Solo comparable role. Obviously, yep. Han Solo's a little bit more famous, but I thought Kilmer shows shows up in Willow and really oh, yeah, brings that it. whole movie. Yeah. Last last show is Ahsoka. Come on said a handful of times my favorite star wars character there's four big characters it appears that they're using in this story and that they tell the story of and it's ahsoka thrawn and then there's two characters we haven't touched yet in the binge which are ezra and sabine but i know Um, who they are and i am aware of the casting news for for both roles so that's that's on my radar enough to be exciting to me so the it's not really a spoiler but rebels ends with Ezra um, being separated from the crew. Mm, And so it apparently, when it it appears that this is part of what they're going to do, is the reason Ahsoka doesn't show up in the original trilogy is because she's on a, a, you know, a quest to find Ezra. And so I think that's how they're navigating that. Oh, so So, this show might be sort of a search for... Yeah. Search for this kid and maybe some other things told in flashbacks. Right. So we might see, there might be some real overlap with the original trilogy if they want to do it. Well, because, I mean, Hayden Christensen's coming back as Vader, is he not? Did I, yeah. 
I could see two big things going on there. Like one, they could actually bring Vader in if they wanted to do it, you know, at the same time as the original trilogy. So you would have Thrawn. Thrawn is going to be an Imperial officer who serves the Emperor. So he could, in theory, be anywhere in the galaxy. You know, right. the really what we see in the original trilogy after New Hope is just Vader hunting Luke. You know, right? Yeah. So there's all kinds of other shit going. On. There's all kinds of yeah. other stuff going on that yeah we haven't seen. So I mean, big galaxy. Thrawn has power, oversight, and ambition. And Ahsoka is a major character. She, it, it, her relationship to the rebellion isn't really clear. We this may be one of the reasons that they're doing some of that story with Fulcrum. Mm. She is part of the Rebels crew in uh, season two and two, three, and four of Rebels. So there's some stuff going on there. But you know what is she doing? That that becomes interesting. Yeah. And you know, it's I, I obviously don't know as much about her as lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of other people do. Um, but from the little I've gotten to see in Clone Wars, and from everything I've gotten to see in Mandalorian, I yeah. adore the character, and I think Rosario Dawson is just such a just such a great actress, and yeah. can't wait to. I'm really that one. I can really only just say I'm just excited to see it. I'm really excited to see it, see more of that character, learn more about that character, and just kind of hopefully kind of fall in love with that character like everybody else before me has, even more because I already am. But but even more so. Well, as much as we kind of dismissed, or as much as I've, I, I think both of us really liked some of the stuff they were doing with Vader in Obi Wan series. I liked all, I liked a, all of it. Those perfect. are the things I was the most on board with. I I think my criticism is coming out of a certain spot, but if they bring Vader into the Ahsoka stuff, I think it will be done very very well, and that would be interesting. Um, well, and if you got Filoni and Favreau doing it too, I mean, I just feel like those guys, with yep. the exception of Book of Boba Fett, those guys don't really miss. There is the hunter side of Vader. I mean that's that's his job. Right. And right. he is also if we we know this from Empire, he's looking for a second to come alongside him to defeat the Emperor. And so Ahsoka clearly much more of an obvious choice than Luke. So if you want to tell that story, there's I think there's every reason to think that Vader thinks Ahsoka is alive during the original trilogy. So if Vader thinks Ahsoka is alive, and if Vader hates being a slave of the Emperor, Ahsoka should be a target for conversion. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you can make the case for he could be doing both. You know what I mean? Like this story is what? How long? The the a new hope to Jedi is a few years, correct? Yeah, it's like three or four years. Yeah, yeah. that's not in the in the scope of everything. Three years ain't that long. <laughs> Yeah. Now that stuff, they haven't really told a lot of the stories except for in comics between episode four and episode five. Yeah. Five and six go together. But you could tell all sorts of stories about Vader seeking, trying to find Luke, Vader trying to seek Ahsoka during that time period. Yeah. You could be multitasking. Yeah. And we've talked about that in the past. The fugitive kind of story is an interesting one there. Oh, totally. Um, The, uh, 
I'm down with that. Another way that they could clearly use Hayden Christensen is post Return of the Jedi. If if the story falls episode six to episode seven. Oh, you could have him you could have him be a, a force ghost. Yeah. And that also I think would be that would be a they they don't have a moment like that yet of of the reconciliation that we really desire from they have such a strong foundation in clone wars but we haven't yeah. seen any anything like a you know a reconciliation or you know there there's a breakup that occurs in clone wars when ahsoka leaves the order there's going to be a confrontation between her and vader that takes place in rebels which we hint at a lot right right that's all we got right now huh yeah so that's a that's a great point I'd be and, down for any of that, to be perfectly honest. And I suppose in the stuff that we saw in the trailer for Tales of the Last Jedi, or the Tales of the Jedi, she's at uh, Padme's funeral. She might have some real, you know, understanding Ooh, yeah. at this point that things broke, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, anything anything else you want to see in Ahsoka? This uh, we'll probably talk about this next year. I'm sure it's not going to be out for probably till June or yeah. It'll be a so it'll be a big later. summer thing next year. I would guess. Yeah. Uh, in Ahsoka, no. Like I said, I'm just I, I unfortunately know so little about it. I'm just excited for what it can be and to get to enjoy it. I want to come back to just to end the original question. Like, what do we with all this in mind? What do we need to hear from Star Wars? I think we need. I think. I want to answer this two ways. One is very mechanical, just in terms of being a, a storyteller and creator, and the other one is a larger, more amorphous concept idea. I'll start with that one. I like what you said about um, how are we commenting on what's happening in the world? Science fiction and fantasy is truly, 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 no matter what morons on Twitter think, always at its best when it's allegorical, when it is somehow reflecting the world. And I think commenting on and not being afraid to comment on what slow, scary, creeping fascism look like looks like and what does yeah. it look like to, to say, because you might be the only person in your classroom or your community group or your building or whatever to stand up and say uh-uh no more this is this is abhorrent and wrong but then there's going to be more people in other places and and small acts of rebellion to to quote matilda you know i mean are 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 huge and important and and you know um what is it the 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 the, the all escapes start with a just a click of a lock like that kind of idea mm -hmm. um just not being afraid to comment on that. Like you also said, we've gone through such an awful couple of years and, and, and commenting on that. I would really just, I would really just love. And then from, from a storytelling standpoint, from like a storyteller standpoint, I would love to see them say, we're, we're listening to some of the complaints, uh, just in, in the sense of how the stories are being told. And, and, and we're going to commit to, we're going to, commit to trying to tell some new stories and do some interesting things and and commit to being innovative which my god who has been more innovative than george lucas and kathleen kennedy over decades and decades of filmmaking so so please god like start to do it again yeah those are my two big things i guess no i hope it's the case that obi-wan was kind of a bookend 
and yeah. we can we can hit restart yeah. and hopefully learn some lessons. They they've they've had COVID time to think about all the things, and I hope they got some distance from the property and can kind of get some perspective. Yeah. That's we all need that from time to time, and even if Disney is pushing. Hey, we need we need we need product. We need product. Um, I but you know, but I also sometimes think it's easy to to take. I mean, and I do it all the time. Take those big shots at Disney. It sounds like I'm shilling for corporations now. Um, but you know, we, they're they're letting Marvel take so much time to unfold some of these stories. And part of me wonders: is it Disney putting this pressure, or is it them saying we just gotta? Maybe because Marvel is also owned by Disney, there's just part of me that wonders, like, my God, it's just a fire hose of stuff coming out of Marvel. We got to catch up. We've got to compete. We've got to. We got to always get something out there. People are going to forget. No, yeah. take the time. Take the time. We'll we'll watch the stuff. We've watched all the bad stuff. Take the time and do some good stuff. True. And it comes back to just here's my send off on what what do I want out of these properties? It's where do you find hope? in a dark world. That's what Star Wars has said really well. And uh, so many times it has been said that New Hope came out during Watergate at the end of Vietnam and it was what our culture needed. And not, I don't... And there's never been anything that bad that's happened <laughs> since. <laughs> that was right, my that's point. your point? We might, be in, we might be in dark times like that. And I don't think these shows are going to yeah. have the platform that you know, the original Star Wars did, but you can still step up to the plate and try and hit the ball hard in, in that, in, you know, in the places that we're at. It seems like your job right now. And so that's, uh, that's my thoughts. You got any last thoughts? I, I think, I think just to chime in on that, I think that's everybody's job. If you are any type of an artist, whether you have the audience that the Disney films, ha Disney properties have, or if you're writing short stories for a local uh, creative magazine or working for a community theater or whatever, it's like the job of creative people is to stand up and talk about yeah. what the hell's going on in the world. I'll build on that. It's the comedians, the satirists, and the fantasy tellers mm -hmm. who can be brutally honest and really just put the mirror up for a culture that isn't wearing any clothes or is lying to itself or finds yeah. itself in a cult and they need to call their daddy to help them get out, you know, or their kids. In this case, it's often yeah. the kids that have some wisdom there, pals. So. Yeah. Or it shows, you know, I mean, I'm thinking of that line in Hamlet where he, where he, you know, says the play's the thing wherein I'll catch the conscience mm. of the king. Like you really get to see, like putting on things that hold a mirror up and up to society hold uh, do a lot of good things and i think least of which is pay attention to who gets mad and why they get mad and then maybe you have an idea what we need to do there you go it gets if you are into this please share it with somebody that you love we have about 100 listeners right now and we would love to to get some more and uh but but we put a lot of time and energy into these pieces when we release them what Disney Plus numbers by the end of the, the season. Another thing that you can do that's outstanding is give us some stars on either Spotify or on iTunes, and reviews are always, always appreciated. And he's Daniel Mothershed. They all hate you because you're a legend. <laughs> and I'm Jeff Cook. A man of your skill should make short work of this. And you know why, Daniel. Because this is the way. This is the way. This is the way.
You're listening to the Grand Army of the Republic broadcast, the voice of the Outer Rim.